Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 433 for Tuesday, the 5th of January, 2016. Hey! Happy New Year. Nice to see you. Kind of belated New Year, just the way it fell. I'm -hmm. not delayed. I didn't forget you. Nice to see you. Kelsey's back with us tonight. Say Mm -hmm. hi to Kelsey. Hey there. We've got Jeff over there in the newsroom. Hey, Jeff. Hey, what's up? And we've got Adam, who's going to give us a thumbs up, right? Adam, working the camera for us. Nice to see you. Thanks for being here. He's the one who takes care of that nice kind of fuzzy glow behind us. You see how everything's kind of just that F-stop is just right. Thanks, Adam, for being here. Thanks for all you do. And thanks to you. Welcome to the show. Hey, what do we got going on tonight? Tonight, we are again celebrating 20 years of the GNU Image Manipulation Soft soft Program, also known as GIMP. By continuing our 20 Weeks of GIMP Tips series, we're going to learn how to create color gradients today. Oh, nice. Those are useful. Yes. Cool. Stick around for that. Also, we're going to be jumping back into our series. Uh, This one is Raspberry Pi as a development web server. Tonight is part two, and we're going to be installing the MySQL portion. But with a twist, we're going to be using something completely different called MariaDB. It's faster, much more delicious. And we're going to show you how to install that on your Raspberry Pi tonight as well. And we are going to also protect that server with a super fantastic Linux firewall. Which is always a good thing. Very good thing. So we're going to teach you how to do that tonight on the show. So stick around. Jeff, Weston over in the newsroom. How are you, man? I'm good. And you? Great. Good, good. Having a good New Year so far? So far, so good. So far, so good. We're five days in. I still have stuck to my resolutions. How about you? Uh, I continue to breathe. That's, that was that resolution was number one. <laughs> so. Not die. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a good start. Yeah, I thought so. This year, I just don't want to die. <laughs> so, so far, so good. <laughs> All right, back to business. All right, what do we got? Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Facebook's free internet service has come under fire, and Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg wow, did I call him Bird? Awesome. <laughs> He's not happy, especially about the name change. IPv6 has reached the 10% milestone, and if you're thinking you're going to be adding a VR headset to your gaming rig this year, NVIDIA claims that less than 1% of PCs can actually run virtual reality. Oh. Google's Project Sunroof tells homeowners if solar panels are cost-effective, and new research into biological 3D printing may lead to body parts being printed and grown from human cells in only a couple of months. Lastly... The U.S. military has shelved Google's robot dog plans because it's just too darn loud. Fido's going to have to wait. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome back to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Kelsey Jensen. Kelsey, it's so nice to see you again. How did this work out? Lots of things. I don't go home till I don't go back to school till tomorrow. Just Christmas and uh, and New Year vacation. Yes. When does school start back up? Thursday. Thursday. Jumping yeah. right back into it. That's nice that you get a little extra time. Yeah. For me, because the kids started on Monday and I started back to work on Monday, getting up with the kids earlier yeah. on on Monday and then having to get to work and stuff, and I yeah. didn't succeed too greatly. <laughs> so, nice to get those extra couple days. I, yes. could, I could use those. Oh, Maybe yes. I need to go back to school. Is that what you're saying? Sure. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that's true. Welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. We've got. uh, We were talking before the show. The Pixel Shadow has uh, has started up. The Category Five TV network is uh, is expanding in first quarter 2016. And the Pixel Shadow, as you know, is uh, brought to you by my daughter Tally, who is Mangle Fox 70, and uh, her show is now two episodes in. So thank you to those who have been supporting her in that. Uh, You can find it on our Roku channel. Uh, Also, I believe it's on Cody as well. 
Yep. Uh, thanks to Nate UK. And uh, coming to other platforms. Also, uh, YouTube, uh, yeah. I suppose. How can we find it on YouTube? How can we find it on YouTube? You don't the know. Hashtag the pixel shadow. Oh, you do know. <laughs> the pixel shadow as your hashtag. You'll find it on YouTube, Twitter. And uh, Tally's excited to be bringing you that once a week. Um, and uh, that is Sunday mornings at 730 uh, Super early. Yeah, that's our time. Yes. Um, so we've got uh, Category 5 Technology TV, the Category 5.TV Newsroom, the Pixel Shadow, uh, New Every Day, um, and then the ones that we're trying to develop in the first quarter, um, everything from Try It, Buy It to um, the, the, the Show Show, and the Drone Zone. That's one that I'm really oh, excited yes. about that's, that's actually going to be hitting us in full force uh, in the first quarter. So exciting stuff coming from Category 5 TV. And, uh, of course, this being our flagship show, we base everything kind of around Category 5 technology TV. Um, yeah. And it supports our ability to, um, to bring you other broadcasts as well that are all family safe and available for you at no charge to view. And you can watch it as many times as you want. You can download our episodes, all that kind of stuff. And we offset the expensive bandwidth and things like that. Yeah. So it does take a lot of money to make it happen. And yes, we've got does. this space here. It's freezing cold outside, but it's nice and warm in here. And that is thanks to our heaters. And, uh, you know, there are bills to pay. And Landlord was here today, and I paid rent, and I felt really great paying rent again. <laughs> and just wanted to say thank you to those who have been supporting us. This month, the month of December, we, uh, now we're all volunteers here, so I'm, we're completely open with you about our expenses and things like that. Ask questions, we'll answer them. Uh, this month on Patreon alone, we raised $120.35. So thank you to everybody. Way to go. Um, it's so simple with Patreon. Yeah. All you got to do is just contribute as little as 25 cents per episode of yes. Tech TV. And we do this once a week. So every week you spend a quarter. And so that's about well, it's half, less than a cup of coffee. It's less than a cup of coffee per month. And you get all of our programming. And, and uh, you can watch as much or as little as, as you want. But um, with there's power in numbers, and I, and I say, you know, don't think about how many people watch Category 5 TV, because there are a lot of yous, and we love y'all, and, uh, and we appreciate uh, you watching the shows, um, especially here at Tech TV, because yes. this, this is my baby. Um, but there are power in numbers, and if we just all forget about everyone else for a moment and just think, okay, me... I can support Category 5 TV Network for 25 cents per episode. If, you, if that's you, please head on over to patreon.com slash category5. And all it takes is 25 cents per episode, or basically 25 cents per week. And, uh, and that is how you can support us. We've got um, teeny drones. We've got two to give away. Uh, what we're doing is we've got, we're casting ballots right now. So the first 100 people... Are you scared? Do you want safety goggles? Because last time we came a little bit Yeah, I'll, I'll take safety goggles this go. time. All right. Good idea. Always have these on hand when Robbie's flying Everybody indoors. Everybody else's glasses, so the, it's okay. The heater, as I said, is on. Uh, we've got two of these to give away. I just want to, you know, it's one of the perks. So uh, the first 100 people to support us with as little as 25 cents per episode is going to qualify to win not one, but two teeny drones. Oh, I almost jumped out again. <laughs> okay, ready? Which way are you facing? You got to make sure you orientate. There we go. So I'd love to send you a, a couple of these. They are so much fun and a great way to learn how to fly a drone. And especially with the drone zone coming up, you're going to be seeing a lot of cool uh, quadcopters, multi-rotors, drones. and uh, lots, that's of, a, lots of fun stuff. Lots of fun stuff. And that's one of the ways that you can learn to fly is with your teeny drone. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's been supporting us through patreon.com slash category five. It's a huge way to support us. Um, and it's, as I say, power numbers. Just think about yourself and, and support us in that way. And yes. the numbers will increase. Um, so we're not making, you know, we're, it would be really nice if, if kind of expenses were covered at the end of yeah. the month by your, your 25 cent contributions, because then we can be investing in better cameras, better equipment and other things. We've, we were able to buy a cool antenna uh, for the Internet. So, you know, that our Internet has been much more reliable as of late. And that's made a huge difference. And, and those kinds of upgrades and improvements around here at the studio really, really help. Yes. Also, thanks to those of you who uh, supported us by shopping on our partner pages, such, such as, as Amazon. Amazon. eBay. eBay. Sorry, I cut Sa you off. Sammy Dress. Sammy Dress is another great one. Uh, people, again, talking in the chat room today about their ratchet belts, <laughs> and I love the thing. Um, so, 
thank you to everybody for your support yes. and continuing on. And here, here we are um, starting out uh, 2016, and, and here's to a strong year for for the show, for the network, uh, uh-huh. and for you, because we really our intention is to bring you good quality, family safe broadcasting that you can put on the kids can be in the room you don't have to worry uh and we try to bring a little something for everybody and uh some of it may be for you some of it may may be for the kids some of it may not jive with you and a lot of it you know the goal is to just make it so that you've got something to tune into we want everybody to be happy it's for everybody that's what category five is about all right enough about that but big thanks and please keep it coming we need it yes uh, and, and it's an exciting year. And of course, Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Category5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Category5.tv. Cat5. Cat5. I just caught that one. Did you say Category5 the first time? Might, I might have. It's Cat5.tv. Cat5. Okay, so it's Cat5.tv slash TPN for the Tech Podcast Network and Phew. the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, Cat5.tv slash IAIB. It's really important that we get it right this week, especially with the TPN, because of all the coverage for uh, CES. And if you want to catch that, you can go over to cat5.tv slash TPN. You can follow the links to the homepage and get the CES coverage that uh, is live. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. So good way to keep up with some of the technology. We don't get into it too much here just because of the fact that we're, we're located in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. And, uh, but that's a way that you can get some of the coverage. Yes. Cool. All right. We're ready to get into the GIMP. We've got a jam-packed show tonight. Woo! Let's do this. So jam-packed, i got to find a spot for my coffee. Tonight, we've got the pie. We're going to be looking at the raspberry pie. Unfortunately, not the kind we can eat, but the kind we can build servers and other And I was so ready to eat a pie. I know. I had the forks ready. (laughs) Unreal. brought my Um, own fork. It's in my bag. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring up the GNU image manipulation program. Where can we get that? Online. On the web. It's super simple. GIMP.org. I was actually asking you. Like, you could have told them. Yeah, okay. GIMP.org. GIMP.org. GIMP is a free alternative to, uh, say, Adobe Photoshop. It's a graphic editing tool that allows you to work on images. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, Zero. It's it's 100% 100 cheaper. With all the savings that you save, you could donate to Category 5. Yeah, because it's like... Don't actually do that. You should donate to GIMP. Yes. Donate a and bit category to GIMP five. and then donate half to GIMP and half to Category 5 because it's like I think it's fair to say I think it's fair to say that if you're, if you're saving money on something like Photoshop by using GIMP, that that's, the yeah. GIMP is who you should. Yeah. And it's got all the same tools. To. But if you learn about it here and you think, hey, this is really great and I've got a good leap start with these 20 weeks of GIMP tips in our series, uh, maybe then that's a reason to, to support yes. us. Uh, okay, so let's jump into it. Tonight is nice and simple. We're, we're um, going to be looking at how to create gradients. Uh, it's called the Blend Tool in the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Once you've got it installed, bring her up on your screen. That's how she looks. And let's just create a new file. So whatever the resolution is going to be doesn't really matter for the sake of our demonstration. You may need it to be certain resolutions. Over here, we've got the Blend Tool. See that? Looks like a box with the blend gradient in it. Uh, Watch out for some of the other icons that sometimes look like gradients. You want to point to the one that says blend tool. And you'll see if I click and drag on my canvas, it creates a nice gradient. Seems really, really simple, right? So there are a couple of different options that we can do with this tool. First of all, the way it works is it blends between two colors. So you see that I've got white and black. Okay, and so then it creates the gradient between them. And the reason it's choosing white and black is because my foreground is set to black and my background color is set to white. So we can set that to anything we like. Let's make it red and yellow. And then it's going to go like that. Ooh. So we get this kind of fire effect or sun or whatever. That reminds me very much of Microsoft Word. And how you know with the one, like the, the old cheesy, version, the cheesy, the cheesy text. word art and the, the gradients. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. that's what I that's what I keep thinking of. 
<laughs> the, the hot red colors like fire um so let's let's go with a bit of a kind of a maroon and a, a slightly lighter maroon so that we get a kind of a nice what can we do see that Ooh. create a nice background okay so let's let's go back to black and white just so that it's a real stark contrast and you can really see what it is that i'm doing i want to show you a couple of different options with this tool first of all there is something called adaptive super sampling which is off by default it makes things a little bit slower but it in fact because you see how it uses blending what it does is it uses your gpu to sample subsample around the pixels to see what shades it should interpolate and create to create a really smooth gradient you don't see it so much you don't really see the difference when i'm doing a straight gradient like that but one of the things i want to show you is that we can change our gradient shape and we can change it to something like well, I'm going to try zooming out because that's too tough when I'm zoomed in. Here we go. Okay. I can change it to, say, spiral would be a good one to show you the difference between one that's adaptive, super sampled, and one that's not. So let's create a spiral. So notice that with spiral clockwise selected, when I drag, click and drag, it creates a spiral with that gradient. But you see how rough those edges are? Mm-hmm. That's where super sampling comes in. So let's turn that on and do it again. It takes a little longer to do, but look at those edges. Ooh. They are super smooth. That's real nice. It's almost like a, an anti-aliasing for your gradient. So always turn it on. I don't know why to be off by default. Um, realistically, it's, it's Just, like if you're in a hurry and you can't wait the extra split second that it takes for super sampling. And it's adaptive super sampling, which basically means it only does super sampling on portions of the image that need to be super sampled because right. it has the gradient. So unlike full super sampling, which does the entire image and takes a lot longer, adaptive super sampling will, and this is all kind of technical, but it will just super sample the portions that where right. the gradient exists. So it makes it, it makes it look a lot better. It's not too much of a performance hit. It's worth turning it on and leaving it on. Okay, what have we got? We've got the linear style um, gradient or blend and it looks like that. And if I click and drag and let go, then it starts with my foreground color and ends with my background color. So if I want black at the bottom, I can start down here and drag up here and let go. And now I've got black on the bottom. Now the next thing is to hold in my left control key because sometimes I might drag and see that, that gradient uh, kind of guide is allowing me to go like that for example. Uh Well, I might want it to be an exact straight line. So by holding in the control key, notice how it snaps. See that? So it's exact 90 degree and then a little bit less, a little bit less, and it snaps in about 15 degree increments. So now when I do it, it's got a perfect um, gradient horizon. So I can tighten things up and bring it in like this, holding in my control key to get it absolutely straight and watch what happens. I get this really really fine gradient so you can play around with this and do things like that and do things like a a tabletop for you know if you wanted to you could get out here get outside of the box and by creating let's see by giving a little bit of a that kind of a look you can put a product in the foreground and it has that kind of effect that it's sitting on top of a horizon right because we've got this horizon line kind of in the middle of the image okay let's get out of linear and look at bilinear which means it's going to create basically a a a tube if you will see that so it goes from the background to the foreground to the background again so you can create some cool effects with that again using your control key you can make it absolutely straight Hmm. then we've got radial which is you know if you want to create a sunshine There you go. So again, change your colors. Uh, Let's go with the yellow and let's use blue. Right? There you go. So we got a nice little sunshine up there. Paint a pretty picture? Yeah, you could do something like that. So this is just to give you some ideas of what you can do with this tool not to give you project ideas, but go through all of these different options and uh, see what is going to work for your project. It's a really simple tutorial just to show you the tool, but that is called the blend tool. 
in, uh, in the GIMP. The GNU Image Manipulation Program is available for you absolutely free. You can get it at GIMP.org. And using the Blend tool, you can change a background, for example. Um, so if you've got something in the foreground, like a transparent ping, a product shot, or uh, whatever it may be, uh, a person that you've cut out of an image, then you can create a nice gradient background. Um, so something that we'll do, for example, um, is take the, a, a picture of a person and we'll show this uh, on a later episode, but we'll take a picture of a person and crop out the background or instead of cropping out the background, make the background transparent by selecting the, the color or something right. along those lines. And then grab, say, a slight gray and uh, almost white and take that and make a nice back oh not spiral <laughs> spiral still selected let's go to linear and that creates this kind of nice white room background right. for that picture so the person looks like because they're in the foreground layer and then you've got this background behind and it looks like they're in this great big white room and using a gradient it, it it's a lot nicer than just a white canvas yeah. So you get that effect that it has some dimension to it and right. a nice, nice kind of shading. Yeah. So the Blend tool is part of the GIMP GNU Image Manipulation Program. Get it at GIMP.org. It's absolutely free. Absolutely. How free? 100%. 100% free. Yeah. For a limited time, as in always. <laughs> They've been doing it for 20 years so far, and that's why wow. we've got yeah. the 20, week, 20 weeks of GIMP tips. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was such a tongue twister when I wrote it. <laughs> but it is. 20 weeks of GIMP tips. There we have it. All right. We've got a great show uh, tonight. We've got uh, Jeff over in the newsroom standing by. We've got uh, our Raspberry Pi server, which we're going to be uh, working on that tonight, setting up MySQL or MariaDB and also setting up the firewall and uh, lots of exciting stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Kelsey Jensen. So nice to have you here. Kelsey, nice to see you again. Yes, nice to be back. Jeff is here in the newsroom standing by. He's got the news for us. Uh, before we get into it, uh, we've got our Raspberry Pi server that Jeff, you and I actually began working on this thing, um, setting up uh, yes. a, basically a LAMP stack. We're working on building a Linux server. Before we get into building this into a web server, as we already began on episode number 428, I um, want to address a question or an email that came into us from Jim uh, okay. following episode number 428. You have that. Actually, I printed it out for you so that yes. you'd have it. I'd like you to find the infliction that Jim may have been using um, when he sent this. Tap into your acting abilities. <laughs> Do you want me to read it out? Yeah. Okay. I'm watching episode four. No, just read it in your head. It's TV, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do I find them? <laughs> All right. Yes, please read it audibly for the viewers at home. <laughs> your instructions were very confusing. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay. Take it away. Um, then? Do that. This is an email from Jim, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how I expected his email to sound. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. I'm watching episode 428 on Myro, so I don't know what the comments you received so far. I was concerned when you presented the power supply for, pi for the Pi 2. This is from cat5.tv slash Pi. It's sweet. Go get one. Carry on. <laughs> Um, when, the, when the Pi lacks the power to run properly, a color block will appear in the upper right corner. A low amperage can come from a poor cable or underperforming power supply. It happened. Check it out. I didn't realize that that meant, okay, as you say, Jim, um, a, a, an underperforming power supply. So that made our demonstration, to those of you who are in the know, like Jim, think, hey, this power supply that they're showing is, is maybe not what it's all cut out to be. It is. Now, what we changed, Jim, uh, tonight you'll see I've got a different power cable. So the USB cable that we're using is different. So if you see that little icon up at the top right-hand side of your Pi, you know that it's not getting enough juice. Right. Okay? Uh, and this is news to me. So thank you, Jim, for sending that in. Uh, the power supply that we're using uh, from cat5.tv slash Pi is great. And it provides enough power. 
However, the cable that we had used was a charge cable for a phone, and unfortunately that cable was not good enough mm. to power the Pi. So I've replaced it with a different cable, and this one... A more powerful cable? Yeah, a more powerful cable. All this is the, the most powerful cable. I went into Radio Shack, and I said, give me a powerful USB cable! I and need a did. powerful one. And they did. And they did. It's three inches long, though. So <laughs> I, that apparently is going to give us more juice. So check it out. On episode 429, we built a Raspberry Pi case called Cat Pi, which you can download for free at cat5.tv slash pi to get the template to build this case. It's but cute. This, thank you. This is a Raspberry <laughs> Pi inside of this. This is the one that Sasha and I built. Uh, this is Ethernet on the end here. It's a high-end Ethernet cable. You don't have to have one that's quite that high-end, uh, but it's what we have here at the studio. And then I've got uh, HDMI output, and then I've got the USB power cable going into one of the 2.1 amp ports on our power device. So are we ready to fire it up? Sure. Let's see what happens as I flip this power switch. If all goes well, <gasps> there we go. Ooh. No box up at the top right. It's doing things. It's doing things in, indeed. Look, at it's actually faster, I think. Than last time. Can we time it? Let's put it side by side with last, last time on episode 428 and see how quickly it booted then. Nice. Okay, we're already in. Wow. Uh, so there we have it. So the Pi is booted up. That is the actual HDMI output um, that you saw there. This time I turned it off so that you can see what we're going to do. So we're going to actually connect to that via um, SSH. So I'm going to bring up a terminal window on my Linux computer. If you're using Windows, you can use PuTTY, for example. It's a free download, and you can SSH into your, uh, your Pi. Uh, or, of course, you could just connect a TV to it and use a keyboard and mouse plugged into the USB if you wanted to do it that way. Part of our demonstration is to show you how to connect and access something that's in a closet yes. somewhere and you don't need to be sitting in front of it. Uh, so that's why we're doing it this way. Okay, so through my terminal window, I'm going to go SSH pi at and then the IP address 192.168.0.105 and hit enter and it's going to ask me for my pi password. If you're not sure how this came about, make sure you tune into episode number 428 of Category 5 Technology TV, where we actually deployed this and explained a little bit more about the operating system itself. This is Raspbian. Okay, password is... Do you remember, Jeff? I have no clue. No clue. I'm, I'm busy chatting in the, the, the chat. Okay, good. good. <laughs> so the chat room will tell you. I'm not paying attention. Ra rasp, raspberry. It's like raspberry with a P the proper spelling of raspberry. Okay, so there we are. We're in. So first thing I want to do is let's see what happened over the past couple of weeks. Sudo apt-get update. Let's grab our new sources uh, from the repositories and see what we've got. So we, we are connected now over SSH to the Raspberry Pi as the Pi user. You see that it's grabbing the Jesse repository stuff. So this is Debian 8 uh, version of Raspbian. And what we're doing now is just updating our sources list for apt so that we can check for updates, upgrades in the software that's installed. And let's see what has been upgraded uh, over the past few weeks um, since we last looked at this, I guess, five weeks ago. Wow. Here we go. Reading the list. So this is just something that you want to do every now and again. Um, you can also set up automated jobs to check for updates and email you, for example, so that you can schedule maintenance and reboot only when it's necessary. Let's go. apt get. Nope, sudo. Super user do. apt get. Up, upgrade. No, don't want to do that again. Upgrade. Not update. We've already updated. Here we go. Okay, so we've got by 9 is, up, is a new version, DPKG. Uh, which allows us to install dev packages and a couple other things. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Cool. Wireless Lots libraries. OpenSSL, that's an important one. Samba Common, that's your uh, Windows file sharing. So I'm just going to say, yes, let's do it. Uh, we'll notice that there is nothing that's going to be removed. And it's going to grab those thing. updates. Yeah, sometimes it is, because sometimes it'll remove something that you don't want removed. Not so much on a server, necessarily, because uh, you don't have a GUI that could break quite easily. Right. Um, on a server, it's all terminal-based. So while that's upgrading, we're going to head on over to the newsroom. Uh, Jeff is standing by. Jeff, nice to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you again. 
<laughs> and still, you've been just looking at me this whole time. Pretty much, yeah. As I continue to achieve my New Year's resolution of keep breathing. That was pretty impressive. I was like, is he breathing over there? I'm so multitasking. Yeah. And chatting in the uh, the chat room. Oh. So lots of good stuff going on there. Well then. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll forgo that and deal with news. How's All that right. sound? All Let's right. Jump into it. <laughs> it's Tuesday, January 5th, 2016. And here are the stories we're covering this week. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Facebook's free internet service has come under fire, and Mark Zuckerberg isn't happy about it. 10% of web access to Google services are done through IPv6 connections, making a marking a milestone in the migration from IPv4. You might be surprised to learn who the number one country is that's making the switch. And I'll give you a hint. Not the U.S. I think you're, if you think you're going to add a VR headset to your gaming rig this year, NVIDIA claims that less than 1% of PCs can actually run virtual reality. And Google's Project Sunroof tells homeowners if solar panels are cost-effective. Also, there's new research into biological 3D printing, which may lead to body parts being printed and grown from human cells in only a couple of months, which is totally awesome. <laughs> And the U.S. military has shelved Google's robot dog plans because spots just too darn loud. These stories are coming right up, so don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Jeff Weston. Here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Mark Zuckerberg is feeling the force of critics who believe his effort to provide Indians with free access to a limited number of internet services hurts India's democracy and violates net neutrality. Try saying that ten times real fast. In an unusually pugnacious appeal in the mass circulation times of India, the Facebook founder forcefully defended introducing his free basic service, a set of basic internet services for education, healthcare, jobs, and communication that people can use without paying for data. Sorry, India, Farmbook, Farmville is not included in that. Facebook... Uh, Mr. Mr. Zuckerberg says, has already launched the service in partnership with more than 35 mobile operators in more than 30 countries. He says more than 15 million people have already come online because of the service. The data is clear, he says. Free basics is a bridge to the full internet and digital equality. So, in a tone which many say mocks critics, Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Zuckerberg, that's the second time I've called him Zuckerberg. <laughs> what is up? Anyway, Mr. Zuckerberg asks, who could possibly be against this? Surprisingly, over the last year, there's been a big debate about this in India. According to the BBC, many believe that Mr. Zuckerberg possibly expected a cakewalk with free basics and is now irate at being stonewalled by critics who are not convinced about his motives. Hmm. Maybe they heard about his whole Jarvis scenario for his house and they think there's ulterior motives there. Yesterday, he lashed out against his critics for continuing to spread false claims. Imagine that, social media with false claims. He wrote, instead of recognizing the fact that Free Basics is opening up the whole internet, they continue to claim falsely that this will make the internet more like a walled garden. Doesn't it feel like you're stepping back in time just a little bit? So to be honest with you, it feels like, remember when internet first came out and there, were, there was some separation between services and then he's creating something that is free, so it's got its place. I'm sure it's helpful yeah. to some people, but... Um, when it's not connected to everything, who, who, it's not the real, it's not really the internet, is it? It's, well, it's like AOL. Well, yeah, or, or like a In really massive days, I mean. Wikipedia, considering the kind of stuff yeah. that's on there. But the thing I don't get is, I, I mean, I know a bunch of people from around the globe, and it seems that other than in Canada, everybody has really cheap cell phones with unlimited data. Mm. Like I've got a friend in Africa and he's like, dude, for 20 bucks a month, I have unlimited data on my phone. I get wow. access to everything. Now, granted, that's conversion to be 20 bucks, but sure. does India not have cheap cell phone rates with data or like, mm. I don't know. I guess there's a need for it somewhere, but I don't know. He's going for it. So. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, efforts to convert net users to a new addressing scheme have hit a key milestone. The novel scheme is needed to help the net support more users and many more smart devices and gadgets. Now more than 10% of net users are visiting websites using the new system, Statistics Suggest. It's not called Statistics Suggest. I just paused incorrectly there. Called IPv6, <laughs> the protocol replaces an older version which pool, uh, whose pool of addresses is almost depleted. The figures were gathered by search giant Google, which monitors how people reach, uh, reach its services. The adoption of IPv6 around the world is patchy, as some nations have deployed it widely while others have ignored it. Belgium tops the, uh, the table of most enthusiastic IPv6 adopters, as 44.3% of the people in the country can use it to get at Google and other IPv6 sites. Adoption in the U.S. is 25.6, and the U.K., 2.95. NVIDIA says less than 1% of PCs expected to be in use globally in 2016 will be powerful enough to run the best virtual reality technology. It's estimated just 13 million would have the required graphics capabilities in 2016, raising to 100 million by 2020. Which may not be exactly as shown. <laughs> That's fantastic. (laughs) Consumers can access VR on smartphones and consoles, but need PCs to use high-end headsets such as the Oculus Rift. Sounds like something from Harry Potter, some spell or something. Some forecasts have suggested 2016 could be the year virtual virtual reality finally takes off, and VR companies feature prominently at the 2016 Consumer Electronics Show, which opened in Las Vegas yesterday. VR headsets create immersive 3D environment where, uh, where you can interact with and explore. But despite growing excitement about their potential, they have yet to reach a wider consumer audience. However, providers such as Facebook, Oculus, and HTC are preparing to ship their first headsets by spring. NVIDIA warns, however, that immersive VR requires seven times the graphics processing power compared to traditional 3D applications and games. So if you plan to add a VR headset to your gaming rig, pay special attention to the specs of your hardware. You may need to upgrade your graphics card or other peripherals to achieve silky smooth gameplay. What would be the purpose of such crazy VR if Uh, you have to spend that kind of money? Fun. Fun. <laughs> Games, right, that movies. just sums it up right there. Think about having a headset and in front of you is a 100-inch TV. But meanwhile, it doesn't exist. But also, some, you, know, you see some of the demos that, especially Microsoft has been getting into the augmented reality. Yes. So that kind of stuff, I think, has a place um, and is certainly uh, an interesting way to game. It's true, but... Uh, I'm- I don't know. Maybe it's antisocial. I'm, maybe I'm just budget conscious, but do people have the kind of money for that kind of stuff? Like, if you need seven times the power, you gotta have a pretty big disposable income. I don't mm. know. It's just just my thoughts. I'm gonna go back to my Commodore 64. <laughs> the company that lets you compare airfares and translate foreign language online wants to make it easier to weigh the costs and benefits of installing solar panels on household rooftops. Google's rolling out a new online service that quickly tallies up considerations of going solar and whether homeowners should consider buying or leasing solar panels costing thousands of dollars. Google's Project Sunroof combines the the eye-in-the-sky images behind Google Earth and calculates on how much shade trees cast over a rooftop, data on local weather patterns, industry pricing, and available subsidies to arrive at its bottom line. Carl Elkin, the senior software engineer behind the service, says, We at Google believe in solar energy. The solar industry needs our help. The service expanded in December to analyze properties in the Raleigh area, as well as 15 other metro areas in Arizona, Nevada, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, and Colorado. While I think this is cool, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, Google knows way too much about where I live (laughs) and what my trees are doing. And how much I pay for my hydro. That is kind of cool, though. you got to admit that it shows kind of a heat map of where the sun hits the brightest. So also, as you're installing the product, if you decide to go that route, you know exactly where would be the best roof. Yeah. That's true. Although generally, I just go outside and go, oh, look, sun, east, west, that's the spot on my roof. There's no trees. I'm good. Not sure that's quite as accurate <laughs> as a heat map. But uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny. And what happens if they take a picture in the winter when there's no leaves on the trees? They don't have winter in California. <laughs> that's true. Winter doesn't uh, exist yeah, in, sp- down there. That's true, I suppose. Uh. All right. Patients needing surgery to reconstruct body parts such as noses and ears could soon have treatment using cartilage, which has been grown in a lab. The process involves growing someone's cells in an incubator and then mixing them with a liquid which is 3D printed into the jelly-like shape needed. Wow. It's then put back in an incubator to grow again until it's ready. Researchers in Swansea hope to be among the first in the world to start using it on humans within three years. The researchers say we're trying to print biological structures using human cells and provide the right environment and the right timing so it can grow into tissue that we can eventually put into a human. It would be able to reconstruct lost body parts such as a part of the nose or the ear and ultimately large body parts including bone, muscle and vessels. The team of surgeons are working with scientists and engineers who have built a 3D printer specifically for this work. Uh, and I'm thinking um, Fifth Element. Is that the one where they rebuild uh, bones? I don't know, but I think it's super cool. It's very cool. <laughs> I can't believe it's only three years off. I know. And we still haven't figured out the Flying DeLorean. Or although, lightsabers. Although my, working on it. My next, my next thing is that we could create the vision from Avengers. Like, that could be, like, down the road. Eventually, we could create an entire human. That's like a, what we're working on? Well, could, that's, that's what it could become, on? because they're making, you know, they're make, basically making everything. It could become, they could make, like, another human. <laughs> and here we have Kelsey trying to make humans obsolete. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to have an episode on a Raspberry Pi human. Ooh, we're going to build our own human today, folks. we got a 3D printer and a Raspberry Pi. That's all you need to build another Kelsey. <laughs> Uh, uh, the U.S. Speaking of replacements, the U.S. Army says that its mothballed plans to deploy a robot developed in conjunction with Google because it's too loud. We're talking about Spot, the leg squad support system referred to by some as the big dog. It's capable of carrying 400 pounds, or for those of you that like kilograms, 181.4 kilos of equipment over rugged terrain. But the U.S. Marines now say its petrol-powered engine is too noisy for them to use in battle. The LS3 was developed by Boston Dynamics, a robotics firm acquired by Google in 2013. The robot can follow troops on foot through rugged terrain, carrying their gear. It can also interpret verbal and visual commands. However, after a major field trial in 2014, flaws in the robot also became apparent. The military took took it as it was a loud robot that's going to give away their position. The machine, which has a gas-powered engine, is said to emit a lawnmower-like noise that would be unviable in combat situations. It's also difficult to repair, making it less than ideal for field use. Google has said as far back as 2013 that it planned to move away from its military contracts, which it inherited as part of its acquisition of the company. So big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston. Thanks, Jeff. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online at www.category5.tv. I'm Robbie. I'm Kelsey. Kelsey, you ready to get into it? Yes, I am. Back into it. All right. Jumping back over to our server, we are building a Raspberry Pi web server. There it is. It's so cute. It's so tiny. Yeah. All right. We're connected in via SSH, and we're going to, first of all, install PHP 4. Five is the version we're going to do tonight. sudo apt-get install php5 is the command, and hit enter. And it's going to check our repositories and say, hey, here's what you need, and uh, you are ready to install. So let's give it a go. Yes. So that is installing the interpreter that we need in order to execute PHP code on our server. So that's mm-hmm. uh, anything that's relatively modern, like WordPress, for example, um, is, is coded. A lot of stuff is coded in PHP. WordPress is one example. I, right. I write a lot of PHP. We demonstrate a lot of PHP on the show. So having PHP installed on your server means you can execute that code or have websites that are based on PHP basically, to, to put it into simple, simplistic terms. Okay, it's almost there already. Once that's done, we can test our server, make sure that the PHP works. Let's bring up our web browser, and we know that this is 192.168.0.105. 
Oh, it's already in there, so hit enter. And you'll see that we installed Apache 2 last time on episode number 428, um, but it doesn't yet have PHP. So if we tried to run a PHP uh, program or website, it would just show me the source code, which would right. be a, a security problem, and, and yes. it wouldn't actually do the things that it's meant to do. So okay. we install PHP 5. And that's the version that we're doing today, uh, 5th of January, 2016. Of course, uh, on a production server, you might be looking at something a little more bleeding edge. Uh, we, I like uh, Garvey and I have been looking at PHP 7 as of late since it's, uh, it's kind of become more available and is entering you know, the, the point of being usable on production systems. Uh, but PHP 5 is in the repositories and ready to go. So there we go. So our files... Let's just check where they are, but it's probably in var www. Uh, there's a folder called HTML on the Raspberry Pi and a file called index. So let's go nano index.html and see what's there. And that would be the file that I just brought up, the Apache Debian page. So let's delete that file. Uh, Robbie, before you continue really quickly, uh, Lyden, Linden wants to know if hey, we Linden. have a text tutorial for PHP. I'm sorry? Do we have a text tutorial for PHP? Like something that you would read as opposed to watch? Is that what you mean? Uh, you can check uh, baldnerd.com. That's my blog, and uh, I quite often do uh, post PHP tutorials and scripts there, uh, if that's what you're looking for. Um, if not, um, there, there are an unimaginable amount of resources online. Um, it, it's always a good idea to you know download some simplistic scripts, look at them, understand how they work, learn how they work. Um, start with some of the stuff at baldnerd.com because I try to keep it purposefully simple. Right. Uh, and of course, watching the show is another way to learn uh, how to how to code uh, with basic PHP. What I'm going to do here today is I'm going to remove that index.html file. HTML, of course, does not require a, uh, a PHP interpreter. I need to be super user in order to do that because of the permissions on this server. Now, if I refresh, you'll see that it's just an index of that folder because I've removed the index file, which is the, the default one that it runs. So let's instead create a new file with nano, which is our editor, index.php, not HTML. This time we're going to create a PHP file. And let's open the PHP and close the PHP and type echo test in PHP. And we know that if it outputs that, that it works. I've just saved. Uh, oh, it says permission denied because I forgot to do super user do. So sudo nano index.php. We can change permissions on our server if we like, but I'll show you how to do that. Echo test in PHP. That's just a simple PHP kind of hello world kind of idea. Just if it works, we'll know that it worked. Okay, let's refresh, and you'll see that it outputted test in PHP. So we know that we can do, we can execute PHP code on our server now. Installing that PHP 5 package did everything that we need to do in order to get PHP up and running. The next thing that we're going to need if we're going to install something like WordPress or a website that's got a database like that um, is we're going to need a database um, system. Mm -hmm. MySQL comes to mind. Uh, but we would probably want to look at something a little zippier uh, like MariaDB. What I'm going to recommend you do is, uh, well, we, this can't be installed right out of the box on a Pi from your repositories because it's not in the repositories. You've got to actually add the repositories to your system. So this being Linux, uh, we're going to uh, review how to do that. Go to downloads.mariadb.org slash mariadb slash repositories. There will be a clickable link for you in the notes below. And when I bring that up, it's going to ask me, hey, choose a distro. All right, we are on Debian, even though we know it's Raspbian, um, and it is Debian 8. Jesse is the version that we're currently using. What version of MariaDB do you want? I might as well go with the latest, unless you've got reason to say otherwise. I've clicked on 10.1. And then where do you want to download it from? I'm going to just choose the uh, default. That's fine. And then as I scroll down, did you see what happened? As I click around up here, it actually generates the instructions down here on what we need to do. So I can actually just copy that text to my SSH uh, window. 
and paste, and it's going to run through the installation process for MariaDB. So make sure that that looks good and say, yeah. Do you want to continue? Yes, abort. That's not what I chose. Let's go again. Paste. Yes. Come on. I had to do a capital Y. So be mindful. Maybe you need to do that. Okay, here it comes. So that's going to download the, uh, sometimes the case sensitive. In that case, it was. Usually I don't see that with AppGet. Is it AppGet? Yeah. All right. All right. It's working. That's good. Yeah. Had a moment of panic. Just a moment. Just a singular moment. Yeah. It didn't last long. That's good. Because it's going. Panic is never good. <laughs> okay. So the, what, let's review what it is actually telling us to do. So sudo apt-get install software properties common. That's the tool, that it, uh, the software that's going to install first. Then it's going to uh, add the, um, the key for the, repository, uh, for the repository and then add the repository to um, your system. And the repository is, of course, where it's going to download MariaDB from. So it's getting all the kind of dependencies, the stuff that it needs in order to compile and run on your, pro on your system on this Pi. Here we go. Shouldn't take too long. We hope. Yeah. And that's kind of the final step there once we get there. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We're going to take a real quick break as we await uh, that particular process to take place. And then we're going to install MariaDB right after the break. Stick around. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Kelsey Jensen. Kelsey, we just finished uh, with the first step of deploying MariaDB. Let's grab those next two lines uh, because I manually ran the uh, app get install. Let's grab the next two lines here of the command, which is to grab the key. Don't grab three lines, just yeah, two. I'm trying, I'm trying. And also to add the repository. So there we go. That's all there is to it. Let's make sure that that worked out okay. Trace back. Ba -ba -bam. Let's make sure, okay, what... I can create the the uh, entries manually if I have any trouble. Let's just see if it uh, if it worked. Uh, let's look in sources.list.d, and you'll see that there is nothing there for MariaDB. So let's open sources.list, and still nothing there for MariaDB. So let's grab those and manually add it. That's why they include that. There we go. Because that last line, the one that errored out, is, uh, is to add the repository. We can do that manually. No problem. There we go. I don't need the comments. I can add one that just says MariaDB. And now paste. There it is. Save with Control-O. Ah, oh, permission denied. Kelsey, you gotta remind me always sudo, right? You're Sorry, gonna, Robbie. You're gonna do it too. <laughs> Maria DB. You can tell that I'm I'm actually I've gotten really used to vanilla Debian where I I su and right. I become root for that session, and so I I don't use sudo quite as much as I did when I was on Ubuntu. Okay, so save that and now apt get. No, 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 no. Sudo apt-get. And update, because we've just added something to the repository, uh, to the repository list, sources.list in uh, uh, slash etc slash apt. Okay, so if all goes well, we should see... Oh, yeah, it's already there. See, MariaDB has loaded up, and there was yes. no error. It got the packages for Woo. MariaDB. Good okay. things when there's no errors. No, no errors <laughs> is a good thing when you're live on the air. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we've worked around a couple tonight, and that's good. All right, so it's grabbing those final lists, and then next step is, okay, we already did sudo apt-get update. The, file, the program that we want to install, the package is called mariadb-server. You can type it in, or you can just copy that line. Pretty straightforward. Uh, and then paste that into my SSH window. And here we go. Now, ah, 
Ah, MariaDB depends on MariaDB server, but it is not installable. Come on, really? Well, we are. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to MariaDB as as the databasing option uh, in on the third portion of this series. Uh, we don't want to lose too much time to it because we're not actually going to be using the database tonight, so okay. it's not overly urgent. I'm going to figure out why that, uh, what step I missed and, uh, and see if there's something specific about the pie that is, is causing that. But in the meantime, uh, we do want to firm up the protection, the security of our server because right now, if it's connected to the web and we open up a port on our router so that people can get to the website, it's wide open to attack. Right. That's not good. Imagine, well, I've, I've got an SSH um, session running right now, and I can, you know, somebody can easily SSH into this server, knowing that it's a Pi, use yeah. the Pi account as the login, then sudo with the password raspberry, and they're taken over the server. So... First of all, okay, we are going to have to look at um, changing passwords and things like that. Uh, so why don't we just do that? Nice and easy, P-A-S-S-W-D, and it will ask you for your current password, Raspberry, if I typed it right, and enter your new password. Okay, so I'm going to choose Raspberry1. Raspberry1. There we go. So now my password has been updated. You definitely, you have to do that step. I didn't even plan yeah. to do that step, but thinking about the fact that we are going to open this up to the web and choose something better than Raspberry One, okay? <laughs> you might even, you know, you, you, you've got to learn security. We're not getting too much into that. We're talking more about setting up a Pi as a server, but definitely security is something that you need to be mindful of. Make sure you set a, uh, a password for your account that is super, super strong. Okay, but in the meantime, we also want to block anybody from accessing our server that is not me, doesn't have right. access. But also, if, if somebody tries to attack our login form, if somebody tries to SSH in and they fail five times, I want them blocked in the firewall because that's not me. Right. And if anyone is doing that, then they're causing trouble, trying to yes. cause trouble. And, or trying to figure out ways around my security, so let's just block them. So what we're going to do, let's go into our temp folder, which is going to be dumped after a reboot. Let's go wget https colon slash slash download dot config server dot com slash csf dot tgz. That's going to download csf lfd. A fantastic firewall. It uses IP tables and a, a lot of the great sophisticated uh, technologies that are in place in Linux to protect your server. But it gives you a, a script, a kind of a scripting front end to make it easy to use and, uh, and works very, very well. Now that I've downloaded that tar file, we just need to untar it. So tar-xzf csf.tgz is going to extract it. Now I should have a folder called CSF. There it is. Okay. In that folder, we're going to need to go um, sudo install dot, I think it was install dot sh, maybe not. Oh, you know what it is? It's using an sh. There it is. Install. So sh, sudo sh install. Can't open install. Oh, dot slash. This has been a terrible experience for everyone involved. Sudo <laughs> sh install. Come on. There's got to be a problem with the uh, with the font. Excuse me. Let's take a look. Something's going to be wrong, and we won't have seen it before. There is an install.sh. Oh, what am I doing? Oh goodness. What'd you do? Oh, I'm just, I'm just having one of those brain dead moments where I saw install without the .sh, and I tried to, I tried to. What is that file? What do you think it is? Nano install. <laughs> oh, is it even that? No, it was a folder. I just wasn't looking at it. And this dash lah is helpful. You'll see that it is actually install .sh. See it in the middle there. 
Yeah. That's my installer. Not install. Or okay. is it shinstall.sh? Yes, exactly. Ah. So sudo <laughs> sh install dot sh. Enter. And that was exactly right. what is written in our notes. Oh, do I have notes on that? Yeah. Fantastic. That's the last one. I should have tried that. <laughs> Refer to the notes when in doubt. Okay. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. I failed to stop the firewall service because it hadn't been initialized yet. Uh, installation complete. So let's do csf dash e cs uh, sudo csf dash e. It's thinking. Uh, okay, so dash r. Okay, so I've just used dash r, which is the uh, restart. Okay, so it's telling us a few little warnings here. Testing mode is enabled. Don't forget to turn it off in the configuration and so on. So go to cd slash etc slash csf. And you, oh, I got to be super user. Can I su? Let's try su. Oh, come on. How do we uh, SU as uh, on a Raspberry Pi? SU dash. <laughs> That's rhetorical, you isn't okay? it? Hey? You okay? Let's see. Google. <laughs> Love Raspberry Google. Pi. No, Raspbian. Raspbian, unless somebody in the chat room actually knows. Raspbian uh, SU password. What is the SU password? Dun, dun, dun. There is no root password set on Debian, of course. You expect it to do everything through sudo, but you can't. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so if there isn't a password, maybe there isn't one, so actually set the password of root. Okay. Let's try it so that we can become root, so that I can operate under a normal Debian environment. So sudo to become super user, uh, password root. Enter new, uh, so there isn't a password, that's why I wasn't able to do it. Set up a really strong <coughs> password, okay? Excuse me. Now, SU. Yes! <laughs> you did it? Did it! <laughs> All right, so now we've got a regular environment. You've worked it out with me. Thanks, folks. <laughs> All right, so now I can go cd slash etc slash csf. There we go. There's all our config files for CSF. See how strong the, the security is on Linux? Yeah. So I, even I couldn't get around that without nope. setting up a password for this it user. It takes a so. long time. Yeah. So, all right, we've got a couple of different things. Nano csf.conf is our configuration file. You saw the warnings we needed to turn off testing mode, which is currently set to one. That's one of the first things in the, uh, in the list, so it's easy to find. And then go through the settings, and most of the stuff out of the box is going to be okay, uh, but you can see what all is available to you. Hit Control-O, I don't have to use sudo anymore because I am now root. And one of the things that you want to do is make it so that you don't get blocked. Because what if right. I what if I accidentally enter the wrong password and then my IP address gets blocked on the server and now I'm locked out? So it's important that I allow myself uh, by editing the allow file. So nano csf.allow and add your IP address. So this can be a local IP address. For example, I can do, uh, so for me, being um, a 192 network, being a 192 network, I could add my entire block. So 192.168.0.whatever. That's a good idea. But for me, find my IP address, enter it into the allow file, and then it's going to allow me to do anything without getting blocked. So then, csf-r reloads our configuration. 
that warning about testing mode should be gone, and you'll see that everything loaded up. And there are other warnings that I'll need to check in. <coughs> and uh, you can look at those warnings. It needs send mail, for example, to be able to send emails, and we'll configure that on an upcoming episode as well. Mm. So we now have something that's a little more secure. Um, this firewall out of the box is going to, you know, it may allow 20 hits from any IP address and then it right. will block if, uh, if the person's doing something malicious. It monitors log files. We can set it up to monitor our Apache log, any other log files out of the box. It's watching for things like SSH and blocking them, in fact, um, out of the box. Um, and you need to open up ports in order to allow connections to those ports Mm -hmm. um, at all. Right. And you do that by editing the csf.conf file. Go through. It's all well commented. And then csf-r uh, if you're root or sudo csf-r to reload your configuration if you are not root. Right. So there you have it. Uh, we did hit some hiccups. I kind of like it when we, when we hit hiccups and are able to work it out because then you kind of see my process of troubleshooting and, and hopefully then if you hit that same, if I didn't hit those problems and you did, right. then where do you turn? So maybe you would hit those same problems and I hope that maybe we planned that. Right. We planned that. Yes, we planned it. All planned. And we are now 10 minutes over. Fantastic. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for being here this week. Kelsey, thanks for being back yes, with us. Okay. Nice to have you stop in, being off on vacation. Yes. Nice to see you. Yes, Great nice to see to you. Don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash category5. Also check out The Pixel Shadow, which is available uh, on YouTube if you want to use the hashtag The Pixel Shadow, or check out our Roku channel or uh, Cody as well. Nate UK has it up there. All right. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs> See you, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.